إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we began last time the chapter regarding the decree and we mentioned some of the basic principles of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah regarding the decree. So now moving on to what the Shaykh mentions here, the author, باب ما جاء في منكري القدر وقال ابن عمر والذي نفس ابن عمر بيده لو كان لأحدهم مثل أحد ذهبا ثم أنفقه في سبيل الله ما قبله الله منه حتى يؤمن بالقدر This is the first narration that we mentioned last time that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma he mentions here that by he whom the soul of Ibn Umar in is in his hand. If one of them was to give equivalent to Uhud in gold or if one of them had equivalent to Uhud in gold and then he gave it in charity for the sake of Allah مَا قَبِلَهُ اللَّهُ مِنْهُ Allah would not accept it from him until he believes in the decree. So even if he gave that wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the path of jihad, then it would not be accepted until that person believes in the decree. ثُمَّ اسْتَدَلَّ لِقَوْلِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ then he gave the evidence from the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, al iman an tu'mina billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulihi wal yawmil akhir wa tu'minu bil qadari khayrihi wa sharri. So Ibn Umar made that statement, saying that Allah would not accept your charity that you give, or a charity that a person gives until he believes in the decree. Then he gave the evidence for this statement that he made. And the evidence that he gave was the hadith of Jibreel from Sahih Muslim, where the Prophet ﷺ had mentioned what the pillars of Iman are. Where he had mentioned what the pillars of Iman are. And he had said, when Jibreel alayhi salam had asked him, akhbirni anil iman, tell me about iman, the Prophet sallallahu had said, iman is that you believe in Allah, and in his angels, and in his books, and in his messengers, and in the day of judgment, and that you believe in the decree, it's good and it's bad. So Ibn Umar didn't just make this statement from himself. This was not something that Ibn Umar simply said himself, that the ones who do not believe in the decree, their charity will not be accepted. It wasn't a statement that he just made himself. Rather, it was based upon this evidence 
this hadith, the famous hadith of Jibreel, where it had mentioned that the belief in the decree is one of the pillars of Iman. فَلَمْ يَقُلْ هَذَا الْقَوْلِ مِنْ عِنْدِهِ بَلْ لَمَّا قَالَ هَذِهِ الْمَقَالَةِ الْعَظِيمَةِ ذَكَرَ دَلِيلَهَا مِنْ سُنَّةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم. So when Ibn Umar mentioned this statement, he didn't say it from himself, rather he gave the evidence from the sunnah for this particular statement. فَكُلُّ مَنْ قَالَ قَوْلًا فِي الْإِسْلَامِ فَلَا بُدَّ أَنْ يَذْكُرَ دَلِيلَهُ مِنْ كِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَمِنْ سُنَّةِ رَسُولِهِ سَلَّمْ So anybody who makes any statement about Islam, anybody who makes any statement about Islam, then that individual must mention his proof and evidence from the Qur'an and the Sunnah. From the Qur'an or the Sunnah. فَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ دَلِيلٌ if that person does not have any evidence for what he is saying, he doesn't have any proof for the statements that he is making regarding Islam, then فَإِنَّهُ مَرْدُودٌ عَلَيْهِ Then it will be rejected upon him. His statement will not be accepted. His claim that he is making saying that such and such is from the religion of Islam for you to do, if he has no proof from the Qur'an and the Sunnah, then that claim of his will be rejected, it will not be accepted. وَلِذَلِكَ إِبْنُ عَمَرُ لَمَّا ذَكَرَ هَذِهِ الْمَقَالَةِ وَهَذَا الْجَوَابِ ذَكَرَ دَلِيلَهُ مِنْ سُنَّةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال And that's why Ibn Umar, when he mentioned this statement of his, that their charity will not be accepted if they do not believe in the decree, he then gave the proof from the sunnah for his statement. And he said, فَقَالْ حَدَّثَنِي أَبِي Ibn Umar mentioned that my father narrated to me his father, Umar ibn al-Khattab, رضي الله عنه, بينما نحن جلوس عند النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, إذ طلع علينا رجل شديد سواد شعر, شديد بياض الثياب, لا يرى عليه أثر السفر, ولا يعرفه منا أحد, فجلس إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, وأسند ركبتيه إلى ركبتيه, يعني أسند ركبتيه إلى ركبتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, مقابلا له جلوس المتعلم من المعلم, ووضع يديه على فخذي تأدبا مع رسول الله وقال يا محمد أخبرني عن الإسلام قال الإسلام أن تشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتسوم رمضان وتحج البيت إن استطعت إليه سبيلا فقال صدقت قال فعجبنا له يسأله ويصدقه لأن من العادة أن السائل لا يكون عنده علم فكونه قال صدقت هذا دليل على أنه كان عالما بالجواب So Ibn Umar when he made his comment he then gave the proof from the sunnah and that proof was he said that my father narrated to me his father Umar ibn al-Khattab 
the hadith whereby he said, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu said, whilst on one occasion we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on one occasion we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a man came upon us with extremely black hair and extremely white clothes. And there were no signs of travel upon him. And none of us knew him. He came and sat with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And joined his knees to the knees of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sitting in front of him. As a student would sit in front of his teacher. وَوَضَعَ يَدَيْهِ عَلَى فَخِذَيْهِ and he placed his hands upon his own thighs in mannerism, out of good mannerism and behavior, sitting in front of the Prophet Wakal And then he said, Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad, tell me about Islam. So he said, Islam is that you bear testification. That there is no deity worthy of worship in truth, except Allah. And that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. And that you establish the prayer. And that you give the zakat. And that you fast Ramadan. And that you do the hajj of the house of the Kaaba, if you are able to do so. فقال, so then this man, who was actually Jibreel alayhi salam, said, Sadaqt, you have spoken the truth. Sadaqt, you have spoken the truth. قال, so Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu said, فَعَجِبْنَا لَهُ We were surprised by him. We were surprised by him. يَسْأَلُهُ وَيُصَدِّقُهُ He was asking him and at the same time he was telling him you've spoken the truth. Because normally if somebody is asking a question then that person will not know the answer. Normally if somebody is asking a question you don't know the answer. So the fact that he said to the Prophet ﷺ صدقت you have spoken the truth, indicates that he did actually already know the answer. And it was Jibreel alayhi salam. He already knew the answer. ثُمَّ قَالْ Then Jibreel alayhi salam said, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِيمَانِ Tell me about Iman. قَالْ الْإِيمَانِ أَنْ تُؤْمِنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَأَنْ تُؤْمِنَ بِالْقَدَرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ Iman is that you believe in Allah, and in His angels, and in His books, and in His messengers, and in the day of judgment, and that you believe in the decree, it's good and it's bad. So Jibreel alayhi salam said, صدقت. You have spoken the truth. قال فعجبنا له يسأله ويصدقه He said so we were surprised again He was asking him And then he was 
affirming to him that you have spoken the truth. He was asking him and then affirming to him that you have spoken the truth. ثُمَّ قَالْ Then Jibreel alayhi salam said, أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِحْسَانِ Tell me about Ihsan. قَالْ الْإِحْسَانِ أَنْ تَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِنْ لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكَ Ihsan is that you worship Allah as if you can see Him. Ihsan is that you worship Allah as if you can see Him. And certainly you cannot see Him. But He sees you. In this world we know we cannot see Allah. But you worship Allah as if you can see Him. And you cannot see Him. But certainly you know that Allah sees you. You are aware and you recognize and you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you. So you do your worship in a manner of recognition that Allah is watching you. And that is ihsan. ثُمَّ قَال Or rather then he said, صدقت again, you have spoken the truth. Then he said, فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ السَّاعَةِ Tell me about the hour. Tell me about the hour. The day of judgment. يَعْنِي مَتَى قِيَامُ السَّاعَةِ Meaning, well, when will the day of judgment be? مَتَى قِيَامُ السَّاعَةِ When will the day of judgment be? So, قَالَ الرَّسُولُ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ When Jibreel asked him, When will the day of judgment be? The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم replied, مَا الْمَسْؤُولُ عَنْهَا بِأَعْلَمَ مِنَ السَّائِلِ The one who is being asked is no more knowledgeable than the one who is asking. Meaning I, the one who is being asked, am no more knowledgeable than you, the one who is asking. Neither I, the Prophet ﷺ, nor you, Jibreel ﷺ, neither of us know when the day of judgment is going to be. And that is because the day of judgment, when it's going to be, is a type of knowledge that only Allah knows. Allah has the knowledge of when the day of judgment will be. And it is knowledge to Allah only. Nobody else knows that. None of the angels know that. None of the prophets know that. When the day of judgment will be. Not even the best of the angels, Jibreel alayhi salam, knows when the day of judgment will be. Nor the best of creation, or the best of mankind, Muhammad sallallahu neither does he know when the day of judgment will be. So that is a type of knowledge that is hidden from us. The reason why it is hidden from us, is as Imam al-Qurtubi mentioned, so that everybody will be upon constant preparation. Everybody will be upon constant preparation. Always making sure that they are doing their worship. Making sure that they are doing their obedience. Because if the people knew exactly when the day of judgment will be, then they would not do any preparation or worship until the time got close. Then they would start doing their worship and preparation for the Day of Judgment. 
So now nobody knows when it's going to be. So everybody has to be upon constant preparation. There is a hadith when a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said to him, Matasa'ah. When will the day of judgment be? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied to him, Mada a'dad talaha? What have you prepared for it? What have you prepared for the day of judgment? Meaning, it is not relevant to you when it will be. What is relevant to you is what you have done to prepare for it, whenever it may be. So the key is the worship and the obedience and the preparation for the day of judgment. Not when it will be. So that is something which is hidden from us and we do not have knowledge of. There are some scholars who mentioned certain time periods. Some scholars, they mentioned that this earth is going to be a certain number of thousand years until it perishes. Some scholars, they mentioned that. Famous scholars of the past, that this earth will be 7,000 years, as some of them said. That this earth will be 1,500 years, as some of them said. Certain types of narrations, some of them mentioned. However, Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala said, all of the narrations that speak about the day of judgment and when it will be, they are all weak, not authentic, not a single one of them. There are no chains of narration that are authentic regarding when the day of judgment will be. So what the scholars have mentioned regarding the thousands of years, etc., then it is not accurate and they made an error in those statements. Then, he said, Jibreel alayhi salam said, فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنْ أَمَارَاتِهَا Tell me about its signs. Tell me about the signs of the Day of Judgment. أي علامات الساعة التي إذا حصلت فإن قيام الساعة قريب. I.e. tell us about the signs of the Day of Judgment. What are the signs of the Day of Judgment? Those signs, when they occur, that the Day of Judgment will be close. What are the signs of the Day of Judgment? Tell us about that. Uh, when it comes to the signs of the Day of Judgment, you can consider them in two categories, or you could consider them in three categories, depending on how you look at it. One way to categorize the signs of the Day of Judgment is three categories. Past tense, present tense, future tense. There are some signs of the Day of Judgment which have already occurred. Past tense, they've gone, occurred already. Like the death of the Prophet ﷺ. The sending of the final messenger and the death of the Prophet ﷺ is one of the signs of the Day of Judgment. Like, what else? Splitting of the moon. And the death of Uthman. Various things in the past which have already occurred are signs of the Day of Judgment. Present tense signs. Television. Television. 
That is a sign of the day of judgment? Present tense signs of the day of judgment are things like plentiful killing, murder which occurs amongst the people, uh, so much so that a person is killed and he doesn't even know why he was killed. And the one who killed him doesn't even know why he killed him. Also from the present tense signs, the loss of trustworthiness amongst people. That is something witnessed too. The drinking of alcohol plentifully, the spread of fornication, all of these types of things are signs which exist. Present tense. Future tense signs, you could say, are the major signs. The final major signs before the hour is going to be established. From amongst those, you could say the arrival of the Mahdi, even though many of the scholars don't count that as the final ten. But the arrival of the Mahdi is a sign of the hour. And also, the Dajjal also, in order, what will come after the Dajjal? The descent of Isa alayhi salam, and then Gog and Magog, and then you have the sun rising from the opposite side, the beast, the fog, the uh, earthquakes, the eclipses, all of these various things will occur as signs of the Day of Judgment. And in the end, it will be the fire that gathers the people to the land of resurrection. So those are the major signs of the Day of Judgment at the end. In this hadith it says, when he says, tell me about the signs of the Day of Judgment, قَالْ أَنْ تَلِدَ الْأَمَةُ رَبَّتَهَا That the slave girl gives birth to her master. وَأَنْ تَرَ الْحُفَاةَ الْعُرَاةَ الْعَالَ رِعَاءَ الشَّاءَ يَتَطَّاوَلُونَ فِي الْبُنْيَانِ And that you see the uh, barefooted, naked uh, shepherds who are guarding their sheep or who herd their sheep and they are competing in the building of tall buildings. Then the man exited. And Umar ibn Khattab says, we stayed for a while. Then the Prophet said to them, Utlubu sail Go and find the questioner. That man, where's he gone? Go and find him. So they left, went outside to look for him, and he had disappeared. Disappeared completely. Couldn't find him anywhere. He was gone. As soon as they left, went outside, no sign of him anywhere. All emptiness disappeared. So then the Prophet said to them, Hada Jibreel. أَتَاكُمْ يُعَلِّمُكُمْ دِينَكُمْ This is Jibreel. He came to educate you of your religion. He came to teach you your religion. تَمَثَّلَ سُورَةَ بَشَرَ He came in the appearance of a human. وَجَاءَ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يُعَلِّمَ الصَّحَابَ دِينَهُمْ عَنْ طَرِيقِ السُؤَالِ وَالْجَوَابِ And he came. To educate the companions via the method of question and answer. 
He came to educate the companions via the method of question and answer. He was purposely asking the Prophet ﷺ those questions so he could receive those answers. And so the companions who were sitting in that gathering would be educated regarding those affairs. And so the scholars say, it is possible somebody who is educated, educated in the religion, has knowledge of the religion, that he may ask a question on purpose, so that everybody else may become educated of an affair. The point of all of this hadith is, the section where the Prophet ﷺ spoke about the affair of Iman. فَقَوْلُهُ أَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ الْإِيمَانِ He said, as part of the answer, that you have to believe in the decree, it's good and it's bad. So these are the pillars of Iman. And one of those pillars is the pillar of the decree itself. Here now, those six pillars of Iman are broken down into more detail. The first of those then is, is the Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is inclusive of Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, the Lordship of Allah, and Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, the worship of Allah, and Tawheed al-Asma'i wa-Sifat, the names and attributes of Allah. To single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of the aspects of Tawheed, to be upon that monotheism and to single out your worship to him alone. That is the first part of the Iman. The second part here is the Iman in the angels. The angels we believe, what do we believe? What is the Iman in the angels? Somebody says to you, tell us about the Iman in the angels. What is your Muslim's Iman in the angels? What's your answer? They don't disobey Allah. They are amongst us. No? They are amongst us. They are amongst us. Made out of light. So we say that the angels, they are a creation. From the creations of Allah. And there are different types of creations that Allah created. The creation of the humans the creation of the jinn, the creation of the angels. So the angels are one from amongst these different worlds, from amongst these different creations. In the hadith, there's a hadith, it mentions that mankind was created from clay, jinn were created from the fire, and the angels were created from light. In a hadith it mentions it. So we believe that they are created from light. They are a creation from amongst the creations of Allah, unseen to us. From the creations that are unseen to us. And we know the names of some of the angels, like Jibreel alayhi salam. And what is the job of Jibreel alayhi salam? What is the job of Jibreel alayhi salam? He's the head of the angels. 
What's his job though? To bring down the revelation. He is Al-Ameen. He is Jibreel Al-Ameen. The trustworthy one. Trusted with what? With the revelation. So he is the one who brings the revelation. Other angels? Israfil. Israfil. And what is his job? To blow the horn on the day of judgment. And it is mentioned he is also one of the angels that carries the throne of Allah. Other angels? Malak al The angel of death. Otherwise known as? The angel of death. What is another name popularly the angel of death is known as? Huh? Israel. Never heard of Israel? It's a weak hadith, and many people they say Israel. They say that's the name of the angel of death. But well, that's incorrect. Here is Malakul Maut, the angel of death. Who else? Mikael, and his responsibility is? The, the weather, the rain, the rainfall, and the vegetation. Al Munkar and Nakir, they are the questioning in the grave. So there are different angels that we know of, different names of the angels, different jobs that they do. So all of that is our belief in the angels. Then the books. The books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many books do we know? Four. What are they? Zabur. And that was given to? Dawood alayhi salam. Psalms of David as they say. What else? The Quran, obviously, given to Muhammad sallallahu Bible. The Bible, given to to Isa alayhi salam, the Injil, the Torah, the Torah, given to Musa alayhi salam. Are there further books that we know of? Suhufi Ibrahim wa Musa. Those scrolls of Abraham and Moses, as it is mentioned. Some of the scholars mentioned those as part of the revelations and books that were given. We believe that all of those books were revelation from Allah. All of them were the speech of Allah. All of those books originally, however, the previous books became distorted. And they no longer remain upon their original format. Upon their original guidance. Whereas the Quran, it was preserved by Allah and it remains upon what it was in its original revelation. Unlike some of the Shia, what do they claim? Some of the Shia, they claim that two-thirds of the Quran is missing. Some of the Shia, they claim that two-thirds of the Quran is missing. Why do they claim such a ridiculous claim because they say Abu Bakr and Umar hid two-thirds of the Quran. Why? Because they say in the two-thirds that Abu Bakr and Umar hid, there was lots of ayat about Ali. So Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhuma didn't want everybody to know about the great virtues of Ali, so they hid those two-thirds of the Quran where there were lots of ayat about Ali. That's the misguidance of the Shia. That's the complete distortion and misguidance of the Shia. They make those types of claims.
So they are the books of Allah. Then Rusuluhu, the messengers of Allah. We believe in all of the prophets and messengers of Allah. We believe all of them were sent with revelation from Allah. All of them came with the truth, and all of them came with Tawheed. وَلَقَدْ بَعَثْنَا فِي كُلِّ أُمَّةِ الرَّسُولًا أَنْ اللَّهَ وَاشْتَنِبُ الطَّاغُوتِ That we sent to every nation a messenger preaching, worship Allah alone, and stay away from the false deities. So all of the prophets and messengers came with the message of Tawheed. Then also, الْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ The last day, the day of judgment, and all of the events that occur from the time of death and the barzakh in the grave and the resurrection and the accountability and the weighing scale and the books and the bridge and the paradise and hellfire. All of those events of the day of judgment, then we have iman in all of that. And then the last section which is iman in the decree itself. Iman in the decree. The final section being Iman in the decree itself. And then the Shaykh now mentions the four levels that we mentioned last week. So what are they? What are the four levels of the decree that we mentioned last time? First one first. So nothing occurs without Allah's knowledge. Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. Allah's knowledge encompasses everything. Then, everything is written down in the preserved tablet. Then, third one, so all of it is by the will and permission of Allah. Fourth one, So Allah creates all of that decree and everything within the decree. They are the four pillars of the decree. The knowledge of Allah encompassing everything, that all of it is written down in the preserved tablet, and that nothing occurs except by the will of Allah, and that it is Allah who creates all of that decree. The next narration, we'll begin with it next time, is the hadith of Ubadah ibn Samit. And it is about the decree. It is about the decree and some knowledge regarding the decree. And the narration basically says, you will not find the sweetness of iman until you know that what occurs to you in the decree was never going to miss you. And what misses you, doesn't happen, something you wanted, but it doesn't happen, it was never going to occur for you. The decree is the decree. So don't be thinking, but maybe this and maybe that. What happens to you, was always going to happen then, it wasn't going to miss you. And what misses you, wasn't going to happen to you. So that narration will begin with next time, then the hadith of Ibadah ibn Samit, regarding this affair of the decree. And there are a few more narrations about the decree coming yet, until we finish the chapter, inshaAllah. Oh, in fact, uh, it'll be in two weeks' time. Next week you have something going on? So there'll be a lecture next week again, but it won't be this topic, it'll be a one-off lecture. So try and bring all your friends, family, everybody, one-off lecture next week, and then this will carry on within two weeks' time, inshallah. I don't know, what's the topic next week? About knowledge. Knowledge, the virtues of knowledge, the station of knowledge. Try and bring your friends, family, everybody for that one-off lecture. Good for the da'wah.